I, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one uh, who has had an experience like this, but uh, I've had, uh, last week had this, uh, an experience of a couple of days where you know, I just felt like everything that happened uh, kind of made me just feel like I was absolutely up against it. Like uh, I was just fighting a losing battle like my mission was mission impossible. Uh, and my mission at that time was I had a small problem with my ute that I needed to fix on my day off. Now, uh, the night before my day off, I was planned, ready to go, and the drain, one of the drains, main drains in our house, decided it was going to be completely blocked. So, you know, okay, I have to organise a plumber. Quickly went and saw, we've got a plumber across the road, fantastic. Okay, we need to sort that out in the morning. We'll do that first, and then hopefully I'll have time to fix the ute. Uh, 10 o'clock that night, really uh, disorganised, but put a load of washing on for the, to be, you know, ready to go the next morning. About half an hour later, the, the washing machine's beeping and there's something wrong with the washing machine. And so at 11 o'clock that night, I had the washing machine pulled into pieces trying to fix it so that we could finish the load of washing. Got it back together about 11.30, got the washing finished and hung out. Next morning, get up early, get going. We had to dig a massive big hole uh, to fix this plumbing uh, issue. That took a fair bit of the day. Uh, and uh, finally uh, ran out of time that day to fix the unit. I thought, okay, maybe I'll get to it tomorrow. Got to it the next day, didn't have the right part, things were broken. Uh, it was it's kind of two and a half days of just feeling like, man, this mission to fix this little part on the unit just felt like mission impossible. Uh, I'm sure we've all had experiences like that when it feels like things are, we're just up against it. You know, last week in our series uh, in Matthew, uh, Mitch uh, went, took us through uh, the first part of Luke, uh, of Matthew chapter 9, sorry, uh, where we saw that Jesus is on a mission. He's on a mission to see sinners saved. And he helped us to think about the fact that maybe we, we need to kind of uh, put aside some time, make space in our lives to be able to join Jesus on his mission. You know, I reckon at times this uh, mission, the mission of Jesus... I reckon sometimes it can feel a little bit more like mission impossible, can't it? When it comes to sharing the gospel and, and seeing more and more people follow Jesus with us, there's just so much noise in the world. There are so many challenges. That often we can feel like the odds are stacked against us. You know, in our world, in our town, there are so many people who are unable, it seems, or, or maybe even unwilling to see who Jesus really is and acknowledge him as king. And, you know, as a church, as we think about our, our kind of vision for the next five years, our hope is to see a growing church family. Our hope is to see our building overflowing with followers, followers of Jesus. And these are great things to aim for. They're fantastic things to aim for. But can we really hope to see our church grow? Can we hope to see our, our buildings overflowing with people? Can we, how can we have confidence to keep pushing forward with the mission? Our passage today, I reckon, is going to help us to see that, uh, that blindness to Jesus and the gospel, it's not a new thing. But I reckon it's also going to show us how we, as God's people, how we might stay hopeful and confident to continue the mission of Jesus with him. And the first, uh, one of the first things we see in the passage is Jesus dealing with a group of people who are stuck. They're stuck in blind unbelief about who he is. And this is the reality of our world, is that there are people who are stuck 
unable and often unwilling to see who Jesus is. We pick up the story just after Jesus has uh, been doing a bunch of miracles, uh, some incredible things where he feeds uh, a bunch, uh, uh, thousands and thousands of people just from a few loaves of bread and a few fish. Uh, And Jesus now, in the story, he's approached by a group of uh, Jewish religious leaders in verse 1. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Now these two groups of Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these are two groups of people who are uh, usually really kind of staunchly opposed to each other for a bunch of reasons. But here we see them come together in some sort of unholy alliance to, to test Jesus. They want to try to discredit him, uh, perhaps because he was a threat to their authority and their, their power as religious leaders. And you know, even though they know that Jesus isn't going to just do miracles on demand for them, they ask him, uh, you know, show us something really amazing, something really incredible that will, will prove you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt that uh, you have come from heaven. You know, Jesus has just been performing a bunch of miracles. He's been doing a bunch of amazing things all throughout Matthew's gospel so far. And yet these religious leaders, they come to Jesus and they, they ask for, you know, just, just one more Jesus. Just one more that will show us you're really from God. You know, as if this, this might be the one that convinces them. But Jesus knows their hearts. And so he calls out their unbelief and their blindness. He says, you know, you guys, you seem to be really good at interpreting uh, the weather and the signs uh, of the weather, but when it comes to interpreting the signs of the the breaking in of God's kingdom, he says, you guys have got nothing. You're blind. In verse 4 he says to them, a, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given Uh, except the sign of Jonah. Which I reckon we read that, and it's kind of a little strange, isn't it? It's a bit weird, uh, what he says there. Uh, But it's a thing that uh, Jesus said that Matthew's kind of already mentioned back in chapter 12, and he's unpacked it a bit more. The sign, the only sign that these blind unbelievers will get, Jesus says, is when he is raised to life after three days. Just like... Jonah came back to life from the the depths uh, of death in the belly of the fish after three days. If these religious leaders, if they continue to look at Jesus with hard hearts and closed eyes, they will see nothing and they'll understand nothing. It will only be when these blind unbelievers see the empty tomb that they'll realise that they have missed the Messiah. They can't see, they can't understand. It seems like they don't want to understand. They're full of blind unbelief. I reckon a lot of us would have heard someone say something to us like, you know, if, if God just gave me a really clear sign, a really clear sign, well, I'd believe in him. Maybe you've even said something like that yourself at some stage. And, you know, it might be true. But I think deep down we know it's probably not. And you know, the sad reality of sin's destructive 
power in our world is that there are a bunch of people in our lives and in our world that are stuck. Stuck in their blind unbelief about Jesus. There are times when even we struggle as followers of Jesus with unbelief. It's a sad reality and I reckon it's, it's one we need to feel the weight of. When we see our world, uh, the people around us stuck in their unbelief, I think most of the time we can feel like there's, doesn't feel like there's much that we can do about it, much we can say. But I think it's worth just pausing and recognising that at the very least it should drive us and move us to pray and ask our gracious God that he would open our eyes, open the eyes of the people around us so that they might see Jesus clearly. As the story continues in Matthew, we see Jesus warn his disciples that they need to be careful. They need to be on guard, Jesus says, about false teaching about him from those who are blind to who he really is. From verse 5, uh, Jesus and the disciples, they're, they're headed across the lake and it turns out that someone forgot to pack the bread. They forgot to pack lunch, uh, which I'm sure uh, uh, many of us have done. It's a devastating situation when you realise you've forgotten lunch. Uh, and I'm sure many of us have forgotten things even more important than lunch. Uh, I once drove 45 minutes to work. I think I remember my lunch this day, but I got out of uh, the car and realised that I was still in my Ugg boots and I hadn't put my work boots on. Uh, so that was, uh, that was unfortunate. Uh, anyway, Jesus and the disciples, they're here, headed across the lake. Someone forgot the bread. Uh, and Jesus says something that uh, seems a bit out of less, uh, left field. He says, be careful. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And, you know, the disciples, yeah, probably understandably, they don't really know how to respond to this. And so they kind of chat amongst themselves. They, they kind of say, you know, is Jesus cranky with us for forgetting the bread? Is that what's going on here? You know, why, why is he talking about yeast here? But as Jesus kind of keeps talking, it's really clear that he's not talking about bread. And, you know, if Jesus really wanted bread, the miracles that he's just done surely should show that if he, if he wanted bread, he could get it. And so Jesus repeats himself in verse 11. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And thankfully this time the the disciples get it. Jesus is warning them that they need to be on guard against the false teaching of these religious leaders who are blind in their unbelief about Jesus. And their teaching, Jesus says, it's like yeast that spreads that works its way into their lives and through their lives and can undermine the truth of the gospel, the truth about Jesus. Corrupting and watering it down. You know, I reckon we might think that this sort of thing would kind of stand out, that we would, we'd notice false teaching if we saw it. But I think it's significant that Jesus takes the time to, to, to make a point of saying you need to watch out for it. You know, there's no shortage of stories uh, of churches who uh, have been damaged or destroyed by false teaching. 
it seems all too easy for false teaching and hardness of heart and unbelief to creep in and do real damage. And so we need to be on guard. And not cutting ourselves off from, from people who don't agree with us. Maybe, uh, you know, not cutting ourselves off uh, from people who don't believe the things that we believe. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he says, be careful. Be on guard. And, you know, there might be a bunch of different ways we can do this. But I think one really practical way that we can make sure that we are on guard uh, against kind of false teaching and false ideas about Jesus is just to work really hard at being connected with each other. To be connected as a church. So that we can keep each other accountable, we can keep each other on track, so that we can keep reminding each other of the truth of the gospel day after day and week after week. And you know, there's a bunch of formal ways that we can do this in church. We have growth groups and being part of a ministry team, you might be part of youth or staying sharp or lots of different ways. And there's a great ways to do that, but, but I reckon it's really important for us to be really purposeful and thoughtful about making connections and fostering relationships with the people in our church. Working on regular times to catch up with someone and making sure Jesus is firmly at the centre of our time and our conversation. We need to be on guard on guard against things that might creep in 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 lots of different ways and begin to undermine the truth of Jesus in our lives and in our church. I wonder if you've uh, noticed the uh, sign for the, uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but the Baha'i faith on the side of the highway uh, when you're coming back from Brisbane. Has anybody seen that? Uh, We've got a picture of it here. Yes, here we go. This is the one. I got this from Google Maps and uh, I uh, see this every time I drive back from Brisbane. Uh, Now, I don't know the the full details of everything these guys believe, but I had a quick scroll through their website and uh, I think the sign kind of, we get the gist of what they believe, that there's one God, but many kind of messengers who represent God. That, you know, every uh, religion, every faith uh, has value and worth because essentially they all come from the same God. They all uh, connect us to the same God. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? Uh, And, you know, there's uh, heaps of different religions all over the world, uh, heaps of different faiths across uh, even our town. And according to the last uh, census, the uh, no-religion category is actually one of the fastest-growing categories as well. Our country, our town is a, a place where people who follow Jesus seem to be becoming more and more of a minority. And, you know, I reckon if we were to pause here and just reflect on where we've come from, reflect on where we've been, it feels heavy, doesn't it? It feels feels heavy. As we think about the reality of so many people in our lives and in our town who are blind in their unbelief about Jesus, 
As we see Jesus' warning that we need to be on guard against false teaching and those who have wrong or misleading ideas about him, as we look around and see so many people in our town and our world who, uh, of different faiths uh, or, or people who just kind of are opting out of religion or faith altogether. I reckon it'd be easy for us to feel like the odds are stacked against us. Like perhaps the mission of Jesus feels a bit more like mission impossible. Is it even possible for people to see Jesus clearly these days? But the good news is that there is more to the story. And it's a story that gives us incredible hope and confidence in the mission of Jesus. Because our God is a God who works powerfully to help people see Jesus clearly. And he is building and equipping us, his church, to continue to be part of his mission. As the story continues in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus and the disciples, they they head to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And it's a place that is just full of pagan religion and culture. A place where following Jesus absolutely would have made you the minority. And it's here in this society that is kind of opposed to Jesus, who probably doesn't even give Jesus a second thought, against the backdrop of the unbelief of the Jewish religious leaders and, and Jesus' warning to the disciples to be on guard against the dangerous teaching from them, it's here that Jesus takes his disciples and asks them some really probing and important questions about himself. And it's here that we see the reasons for our hope and our confidence in his mission. In verse 13, Jesus says to the disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Which, you know, even against this difficult religious backdrop, uh, people in general, it seems, uh, are getting the right idea about Jesus. They're on the, the right track, it seems. Which is encouraging, but there's more that Jesus wants people to know about himself. And so he continues to push and probe a bit further. In verse 15, Jesus asks again, But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, seemingly kind of on behalf of the rest of the disciples, he responds in a way that's really incredible. Verse 16 Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. They've got it. Incredibly, the disciples have got it. Despite all of the religious noise around them, despite the false teaching of the religious leaders, Peter's confession here shows that he has seen clearly who Jesus is. And now he proclaims it powerfully. You are the Messiah, Peter says. You're God's promised king who who will bring salvation to his people. The son of the one true God who has brought God's kingdom near. 
you know, as Matthew's gospel continues, uh, we're going to see that you know, perhaps the disciples, uh, maybe they don't quite get the full picture of what it means for Jesus to be God's Messiah, the King of God's kingdom. Maybe they haven't quite got the full picture that Jesus is a king who will give his life, a, a king who will go to the cross and, and defeat the power of sin so that sinners might be saved and brought into the kingdom of heaven. We're going to see next week that actually they haven't quite got that full picture yet. But when we hear Peter proclaim these words here, it's great news. It's great news. And I reckon it's, it's, it's a relief to us as well too. Because you know when we feel like perhaps the odds are stacked against us, when we feel like uh, maybe sharing the gospel uh, feels a bit like mission impossible. I think the question we can sometimes find ourselves asking is, is there hope? Is there any hope for our friends and our family and our town to actually see Jesus clearly and confess him as king? Peter's response here gives us hope, I reckon. Hope that our friends and our family, uh, that they might see Jesus clearly and join us following him. Hope that they might call him king. That they might get to know him better and they might see his incredible mission to save sinners through his death and resurrection. There is hope, which is good news. And as Jesus continues what he says to Peter next, I think gives us an incredible confidence. Confidence in our desire to see our church grow as more and more people come to trust Jesus with us. Verse 17, Jesus replied to Simon Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Jesus says the reason that Peter has seen him clearly, it's not because he has uh, figured it out, it's not because he's really bright, it's not because he's had all the, the evidence uh, presented to him really clearly in a fantastic PowerPoint presentation, and so he's just managed to get it. No, it's because it has been revealed to him by God. And I just want to take a moment to pause here now and just and talk to the people in the room who maybe aren't followers of Jesus, who wouldn't say that they are Christian. And just to say this, that if you are someone who is seeking Jesus, wanting to find out more about him, to, to figure out uh, who he is, Jesus is not a puzzle to kind of build and put together. It's not a code to be cracked. He's a person someone to be uh, seen uh, clearly. And so we'd, I'd encourage you to keep pursuing the person of Jesus as we see him in the Gospels. Keep pursuing the person of Jesus and pray that God might help you to see him clearly. Now as a church, our confidence that people will continue to see Jesus clearly for who he is and confess him as Lord and King, it comes only because God is the one who reveals himself. 
And of course, that doesn't mean that we don't need to tell people about Jesus, though, does it? Now, there's, uh, the, 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 it doesn't mean that there's nothing for us to kind of do in the process. It absolutely doesn't mean that, which you, you might be sitting there and kind of roll your eyes and say, well, thanks for that, Captain Obvious. But I reckon it's something that we might need correcting on at times. I think there are times when we might say or think something like, you know, oh, I just need to, we just need to get out of the way. I need to get out of the way and so that God can do his work. You know, God doesn't need me. He doesn't need us to save people, so we just need to get out of his way. And the problem with this uh, kind of thing is they're not in, entirely true. And these sort of things can end up actually just being an excuse for us to kind of check out of church and to check out of what God is doing in the world through the church. You know, it is true. It is true that God doesn't need us. It is true that God doesn't need Christians to save people. That's absolutely true. But God absolutely wants us to be part of his mission. He absolutely wants us. And he certainly doesn't want us to get out of his way. God has called us to be his partners, his co-workers in the gospel. Imperfect partners, sure. Co-workers who get it wrong a lot of the time, definitely. But partners and co-workers that he absolutely wants to be part of his mission. The Apostle Paul in Romans 10 says that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. If people are going to see Jesus clearly, they, they need to hear the truth of the gospel. They need to hear it preached. They need to hear it proclaimed by us. And there's that, a saying that floats around from time to time saying, you know, always preach the gospel and, and if necessary, use words. No, always use words. The gospel is the word about Christ. People need to hear it. They need to hear the gospel preached and proclaimed by us. Even in small, simple ways, people need to hear the truth of Jesus. And yet in his power and grace... It's as God works in their hearts that it sinks deep into their hearts so that they too can be convinced of the truth and proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. As we come toward the end here, I think Jesus' words to Peter, they help us to see this and they help us to see the importance of our role as a church in the mission of the kingdom. Verse 18, we see that in Peter, Jesus has found someone who, by the grace of God, has seen him clearly and now proclaims him as Lord and King. And that is a foundation that Jesus can and will build his kingdom on. A foundation that Jesus will build his church on. A new community that kind of starting with his first followers and continues to be made up of all those who confess Jesus as king. That's what the church is. A community of people who by God's grace have seen Jesus clearly and proclaim him as king. A community that gathers together to continue proclaiming the gospel truth so that by God's grace, more and more people might come to know him and follow him as king with us.
And, you know, it's, it's why we and countless other churches across the world continue to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus, week after week, year after year, decade after decade. And we make absolutely no apologies for it. Jesus has given the keys of the kingdom of heaven to his church. The gospel truth about Jesus, the the key uh, of life in the kingdom that we are to hold out. Through his church, through us, his people, God is going about his kingdom work, which is an incredible responsibility and, and I think even more so an incredible encouragement to us to be part of this new community of kingdom people, a community that Jesus says can't be stopped, not even by the power of evil, a church community joining with Jesus in his kingdom mission. And so we can have confidence. We can have confidence in the gospel message, confidence in our desire to see our church grow and overflowing with people who follow Jesus. Because God is building his church through the gospel. We can have confidence to join Jesus on his mission to see sinners saved. You know, I'd love you to go away from here today feeling even just a little bit more hopeful and a little bit more confident. Hopeful that God can and does break through the noise to reveal himself and confident to be part of his mission. Confident to to have that conversation with a friend you've been wanting to have about Jesus. Confident to share your life and your faith with the people around you. Confident to invite people to hear about Jesus, maybe to invite them along to church. I'd love to see you uh, confident that maybe you can invite that friend or that family that you know from school along to something like Pancakes in the Park to, to mix with your Christian friends and family. Confident to maybe give, finally give that person an, an invite to Christian Explored because you'd love them to get to know Jesus. Because even when we feel like the odds are stacked against us, and when perhaps we feel like... Uh, The mission of Jesus feels a bit more like mission impossible. We know that our God is one who powerfully reveals himself and helps people to see the Lord Jesus clearly. And we know that he has called us, his church, to be part of that mission with him. Let's pray. The Heavenly Father... Uh, There are times when it does feel like, uh, as your people, uh, that perhaps uh, the mission uh, to see people uh, come to know Jesus and be saved feels a little bit more like Mission Impossible, that it feels really hard and we wonder if there's hope for our friends and our family and our town and our world to get to know you. Lord, we uh, thank you that you are a God who reveals yourself. That it's not through our wisdom, not through our, our uh, cleverness that we uh, see who Jesus is and, and come to know him and proclaim him as king. But it's uh, as we understand your word, as you work uh, and go to work deeply in our hearts, revealing yourself, that we can see Jesus clearly. 
And so we pray that you would help us to keep proclaiming the good news about Jesus to our town and our world and our friends and our family, that you might bed that deep down in their hearts, reveal yourself to them, that many more people might come to follow Jesus with us, to call him king. You might give us a real hope and confidence to be part of the mission of Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.